This is episode 63 of the Prepper Website Podcast. Today's articles are 10 Ways to Get Survival Supplies When You Have Almost No Money, Everything You Ever Wanted to Know About MREs and Then Some, and Affordable Vehicles That Can Survive an EMP. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily aggregator of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey, before we get started, a couple of uh, just uh, things to briefly mention. Wednesday is usually our interview day. Uh, the interview for this uh, podcast or this episode fell through, so we're going to go ahead and just go with another article like uh, we do every single day, and uh, that's what happens. Sometimes uh, things don't happen the way we want to, but we adapt and we move on. So we'll just do that. Hey, also, if you are, those of you who are members of or have registered for the, the new Prepper website email list, uh, you got this on Monday. But uh, those of you who haven't, uh, I did talk a little bit about the ransomware or the new WannaCry uh, ransomware thing out there that was going on. And just, you know, something to kind of keep your eye on. Eye out for uh, if this one doesn't affect you that you know maybe in the future there's going to be some that that do. Um, I did see an article on another preparedness website that said hey it's not that big of a deal, but uh, we're just not being affected by it here in the United States. I think maybe uh, companies and organizations here in in the United States do a better job maybe of uh, updating their Windows machines and their systems than some of the other. Uh, you know, countries and nations out there, but it it was it's pretty devastating. Uh, I did on my Twitter because uh, I'd been kind of monitoring it. I, I did retweet uh, a tweet that said the Indian government shut down more than 250,000 ATMs across India after the one a crypto ransomware cyber attack. So think about if there was something that hit all the ATMs at one time, and you think about. I mean that that in itself would cause a a rush on the banks, a run on the banks, and uh, could could just you know snowball. So that's something to think about. Not to mention all the other utilities and things that uh, are tied in, because you know we saw a lot of that in other places where utility companies were were shutting down. Uh, but anyway, so it's, again, something I didn't mention it yesterday, but uh, it has been something that I continue to monitor on Twitter. And, uh, you know, you can just do the hashtag and then just as the feed keeps going, you can just kind of see where it's at. It looks like it's maybe fizzing out a little bit, uh, but I think that this is going to be the new the new normal uh, for us. So uh, another reason to be prepared and another reason to have cash on hand, uh, another reason to uh, stay aware of what's going on in the world. All right, so uh, enough about that. Uh, you always want to stay prepped and aware. All right, so let's go ahead and get started on the articles. This one f- comes to us from urbansurvivalsite.com, uh, and it, it's a good article. You're going to want to go to this one for sure, and uh, there are a lot of links here that are very helpful. Um, the article is called 10 Ways to Get Survival Supplies When You Have Almost No Money, and uh, you know they, they link to a whole bunch of good stuff here. So let's go ahead and get started on this one. Prepping for a disaster can be expensive. While fully stocked private bunkers in steel states safes full of weapons and supplies are great for the wealthy, low-income people need to be able to survive when the SHTF-2 
Thankfully, prepping for tough times doesn't have to cost a fortune. If you are looking for a way to get survival supplies on the cheap, check out these strategies. Number one, shop eBay auctions. eBay is a great place to get incredible deals on a number of survival supplies, especially if you are willing to purchase used items. While eBay has recently been trying to shift away from the auction format and push items that are sold through a more traditional fixed price format, stocking the auctions is still the best way to snag a great deal. It may take a few attempts to actually win an auction for a bargain price, but with a little persistence, you should be able to find some great survival supplies for relatively cheap. Number two is win free stuff. You can't get any more affordable than completely free, and while winning free survival supplies may sound like a fantasy, the truth is there are hundreds of companies giving away free products every day in drawings intended to promote their businesses. Such Sites such as Sweepstakes Today, Contest Alley, and Win Prizes Online make finding and signing up for these giveaways contests easier than ever before. You certainly won't win anything you sign up for, but there's really nothing to lose. Um, so I let me take this moment to say I recently did a, a review of the Legacy uh, Mega Sampler. Um, if you haven't gone over to or to edthatmatters.com and checked that one out, I have a picture of the bucket the, that all the food comes in right up next to a Home Depot bucket, and it's huge. It's humongous. Um, the bucket in itself holds uh, over 41,000 calories. And so uh, Legacy Foods, you know, sent that to me. I tried it out, and, you know, it's pretty good. Pretty good food for survival, freeze-dried food. I mean, I think you should have a little bit of every type. Uh, it's one of those things that you can grab and go if you needed it. Um, but Legacy has been really great about uh, offering me uh, one of these mega samplers to give away. And so starting on May 30th, I'm going to go ahead and give away one of these mega samplers. I'm going to uh, put it on, I'm going to use a raffle copter giveaway and put it on Ed That Matters. So you can go over there and uh, I'll let you know when that happens. I'll post it on Prepper website. I'll be putting it on Facebook and all the other social medias. But uh, somebody can, can win a really, really nice uh, you know, bucket of you know, survival food, freeze-dried food, and all different kinds of stuff. So I'll be letting you know when that happens. And yes, you can win free stuff. All right, number three, get free samples. Rather than giving away full-size products in a contest, many companies will promote their brands by giving away free samples. While you won't get as much as you would if you won the full-size product in a contest or drawing, free samples are a lot easier to get your hands on, especially thanks to websites such as Totally Free Stuff, Magic Freebies, The Free Site, and Free Stuff Times. And while these free samples probably won't be enough to fully stock your disaster bunker, they do add up quickly. A few hundred travel-sized soap bars and tubes of toothpaste, after all, can make the apocalypse a lot easier to bear. Number four, shop flea markets. Flea markets are like a garage sale with a permanent location. These used goods stores are great for finding a wide range of products at crazy low prices. If you are looking for survival goods on the cheap, they are definitely worth a look. Here's what to look for. Again, so there's, again, like I said, tons of links in this article. Most flea markets don't have a website, so finding them might be a little tricky. However, if you drive in any direction for a very long period of time, you are bound to run across a few, and chances are you know where a few of them are already. We have one uh, really close to where I'm at uh, on, on the northwest side of Houston. And, uh, you know, one thing that I have learned is when you go, when you go out there, there's people who are there all the time and they, they have kind of like a little storefront. 
um, there. You can still find good deals there, but you really want to go to the to the people to the people that have set up kind of more like a garage sale where they come in and they have items to sell and they, you know, they usually back up their car and they pull out some tables and those, that's where you really find the really great deals. So uh, if you're starting out in the morning, uh, which is always best, that's where you're going to always find the best deals. You want to go straight to those areas first and see if there's something that you want. Number five, buy from government liquidations. Did you know you can buy supplies at auction from the U.S. government? Not many people know this, which is why these items often go for incredibly cheap. And since the government has never been one to worry about waste, they don't seem to care that they are selling practically unused items for pennies on the dollar. It's frustrating for the taxpayers, but great news for preppers looking to score some cheap survival supplies. Best of all, government liquidation auctions allow you to purchase military supplies straight from the Army, Navy, Air Force, and Marines. It's the kind of stuff you'd find in a military sur surplus store, but for a whole lot cheaper. To get started sourcing military-grade supplies straight from the U.S. government or a fraction of what they're worth, check out Government Liquidation. Number six, shop Craigslist ads. Craigslist is the garage sale of the online world, which means you never know what you'll find, but you'll usually find it for pretty cheap. While you have to be a little more careful buying on Craigslist than you do on retail sites such as eBay and Amazon, Scouring Craigslist ads is a great way to find deals on a number of items, especially larger, more expensive survival items such as generators and off-road vehicles. Number seven, shop garage sales. After you've, you're through shopping the garage sale of the online world, you might as well go out and shop a few traditional garage sales as well. While these types of sales aren't quite as common as they used to be, there are still plenty of sales available. Sometimes towns and communities will even organize large events where multiple people in the area set up garage sales at the same time. These are certainly worth going to. Here's what you can find. So I will second that. Um, I don't know. I don't know where the person who uh, or Urban Survival Site, where uh, the author of this article is coming from, but uh, there's a lot of garage sales in my area, and so it's not very hard. Again, you want to start early. Uh, in the morning, like on a Saturday morning or on a Friday morning, you want to go out there and, and that's when you're going to find the best deals, especially people who just have stuff and they want to get rid of. They don't want to take it to Goodwill or whatever, but they want to get rid of it. And uh, you can make you can find a lot of great deals that way. Um, but yeah, there are even in the more affluent neighborhoods out here where I live. Uh, they do. They get together and they will announce it out, um, you know, out on their the, the front of the neighborhood that they're having a neighborhood garage sale. And, man, you can really hit it good there when when they have that going on. So, yeah, it's something to, to be out and looking for. Number eight is start couponing. If you've ever seen those reality, reality TV shows where extreme couponers walk out with baskets full of products having only spent a few dollars, you know just how effective couponing can be. While examples such as this might be a little extreme, coupons are still a great way to get supplies for a fraction of the cost. Filling your emergency bunker with food and supplies paid for almost entirely with coupons isn't out of the question, and such sites as coupons.com will help you get started. Along with this, start snipping coupons out of magazines and newspapers and storing them in a shoebox until you are ready to use them. Number nine, go to Goodwill. Since Goodwill procures items by having them donated to the store, items at Goodwill can be bought for incredibly cheap. You'll find a wide variety of goods depending on which store you visit, but Goodwill is an especially attractive option for stocking up on clothing. Here's a list of things to look for. 
Uh, I want to second that on the clothing. I had a friend who lost a lot of weight and he needed to have nicer clothes. And so he went to a Goodwill in one of the more affluent areas of town and found really nice suits and nice, you know, nice items for really, really cheap. And so you can do that. And, you know, a lot of the times there are people and even, um, you know, family, you know, a prepper, an older prepper dies and all, you know, their family comes in to clean out the house and they don't really understand why they were prepping. They thought they were just hoarders or whatever and they get rid of it and they take it to Goodwill and, you know, you, you can find uh, nice items that way. Um, definitely. You, you'll always, if you go, you're always looking for cast iron, right? Um, I think a lot of people know about cast iron now, but if you go and you find an old rusty piece of cast iron, uh, cooking cast iron, man, you can bring that home and reseason that, and that definitely uh, that would be a great, great deal. But yeah, uh, that list of here's a list of things to look for on number nine. Definitely, you know, check that one out. And again, I think there's going to be a lot of links here you're going to want to see. Number ten is the last one: build and make your own products. Raw materials are a lot more affordable than finished products. If you're good with your hands and can follow a YouTube tutorial, you'd be surprised at how many products you are able to make on your own. From cleaning supplies to water filters to makeshift stoves, there's almost no limit on the number of survival supplies and household products you can make yourself for a fraction of what it costs to buy them. Uh, I, I want to second that, and there are great uh, websites. Uh, even on PrepperWebsite.com, at the top right-hand corner, you can go to our DIY page, and I have feeds of uh, a bunch of DIY uh, websites that you, they're always uh, it's updating all the time every day and you can get a lot of ideas there so a good article about uh, finding or preparing and getting survival supplies with no money or with little or no money um, definitely you're going to want to go and all the uh, the links here you're going to want to check those out again I'm going to link to this article on uh, episode 63 of the prepper website podcast all right, so moving on, going to our next article. It comes to us from the survivalmom.com. Uh, Lisa Bedford is, uh, has written an article on everything you ever wanted to know about MREs and then some. So let's go ahead and read this one. Some good information here. Meals ready to eat, or MREs, seem to make it into the stockpiles, bug out bags, and trunks of many preppers. Yes, I have a few cases of them too. Unfortunately, few people do the legwork to fully understand MREs and whether they are a wise decision for themselves. Below are some tips to help if you have considered buying these meals as part of your food storage and emergency plans. You should consider the source and purpose of MREs. Most of us are familiar with MREs as military food. Uncle Sam created them to fuel fighting soldiers in combat situations. The taste has to be decent enough to avoid revolt from the troops and to encourage them to eat the whole thing. If the troops aren't eating, it is a waste of money, weight, volume, and more importantly, calories and fuel. Equally as important as what goes into MREs is what doesn't get put into them. Uncle Sam doesn't want troops to have gas, loose stool, and lots of bathroom breaks on the battlefield. You can expect a certain amount of constipation to be built into MREs. Ingredients are not added to increase constipation, but they definitely remove any items or contents that would encourage a regular or loose stool. The objective with the MRE is to fuel the troops and for the fuel to be 100% eaten and converted into energy. I have never seen the cardboard cases that MREs are packed in. Included should be a label that says MREs are only intended to be eaten for 21 days. 
Using the military's plan of two per person per day times 21 days equals 42 MREs. 12 are in a case, which is almost four cases of MREs per person. Keep in mind that these MRE stocking levels only account for half of your daily caloric need and you will still need to augment this diet with at least one hot meal of regular food per day. Three years is the advertised shelf life of MREs. Of course, with proper storage, they could last much longer, but we shouldn't be planning for best case scenarios. We should definitely be planning for worst case scenarios. To learn more about food storage, check out these articles. With the assumption that MREs have a shelf life of three years and that you can eat them 21 days in every year, you would then stockpile 42 times 3 equals 126 MREs per person at any given time, at a minimum. That's 10.5 cases per adult. To make the math easy, I will go ahead and round up to 12 cases per person. Every year you will need to buy 4 new cases of MREs and respectively use up 4 cases per year. As a result, this will maintain the restocking rate and freshness. The above figures are minimums. Let's assume that we go 21 days on MREs and then 2 or 3 or 5 months off MREs and again return to another 21 days on again. Stockpiling twice as many MREs is possible if you want it. Just remember, you need to double your consumption to keep up with proper rotation. 4 MREs a month need to be eaten by each person. Think twice about your MRE stockpiles. If you are going to buy them, be prepared to buy them annually and exhaust an equal number annually. Figure on buying or restocking a third of your supply each and every year. Any person that is considering MREs for food storage should first understand the duration at which our bodies can tolerate them. Eating an MRE-based diet is like going on any new diet. You are consuming food that your body is unfamiliar with processing. Anyone who has spent any time on a diet will tell you that weird things can happen to their body. A change in stool, urine, digestion, energy, or appetite is not uncommon. MREs are no different. A person's body is not accustomed to them and will revolt in some manner. Keep in mind that these side effects are not necessarily unique to MREs. If you switch to a 100% freeze-dried diet from a commercial manufacturer, for example, you would probably encounter similar results. As a general rule of thumb, Uncle Sam tries to get the troops at least one hot meal per day. Guidelines like this imply that with 21 days of MREs, this isn't the only thing the troops are eating. Troops in combat burn about 4,200 calories per day. Each MRE contains about 1,200 calories. The troops are issued two per day, assuming a hot breakfast and the MREs for lunch and dinner while out on patrol maneuvers. This typically creates a negative caloric balance. With our military troops are only eating about 24 to 3600 calories per day, but burning about 4200 calories. As you can see by the numbers, this is not the ideal food pyramid or anywhere close. MREs are simply a survival food. Can you eat them for more than 21 days and survive? Sure. Should you? Probably not. It's much more economical to buy freeze-dried products in number 10 cans, which have a shelf life of 10, 20, 30 plus years. Freeze-dried products don't need to be rotated as often, so there's less worry about eating them up before their expiration date. To learn more about freeze-dried food and what is available, check out Thrive Live. It is not practical to use MREs in bug-out bags or when hiking. They are heavy, bulky, and contain water. Remember, these are designed for troops who are going out on short-term, lightweight patrol missions. The military will airdrop any extra needed supplies and food they may need. Some preppers may not feel compelled to stock MREs. Much lighter and possible cheaper alternatives are available. 
Ration emergency food bars are one of these alternatives. The caloric intake you need is there and they are easy to pack. Check out this informative article about the importance of calories and food storage. Take note if you are traveling on an airplane with MREs, they are not TSA approved the way they are. Heating elements with, within them are banned from check as well as carry-on baggage. Since you want to fly with your MRE, break it open and remove the individual packets and take the heater element out. Our food pantry has about 90 days of food and water for four people. In addition, we have 100 number 10 cans of food per person. That's 400 cans total. I am slowly working on tripling that amount. Lastly, we have 24 cases of MREs per person, 96 cases total. We annually refresh at 8 cases per person per year. Each person in our household has to exhaust 8 MREs per month. To do this, we take them with us on vacations, cross-country trips during the holidays, on the boat, etc. We even give them away to friends and family. In the trunk of our car, we always keep about a half dozen. If they go bad, we just throw them away. Over time, we have noticed that they don't really spoil. They just seem to lose their nutrition. Within our food storage, we keep twice as many MREs as we should have. During an emergency, we are prepared to help support family, friends, and neighbors. Our storage is not equipped, nor do I want to feed them for the long term. Rather, to give them about six MREs per person and tell them to hike out to safety or to other friends. We can't have them drain our pantry, but they can take the MREs as a gift and use it to get the heck out of Dodge. They don't have to go away empty-handed. By my calculations, we could send as many as 36 people away with 6 MREs per person and still have 63 MREs per person for our family. Added to that, we also have 100 number 10 cans of freeze-dried food, which should be enough to feed one person for a whole year. We have 4 people and store 400 cans of food. From our experiences, we have learned that about 100 cans will fit beneath a king-size bed. Hopefully, this has been a beginning point for you as you consider MREs and the other types of food that you can store. Buy, buy a case or two and try them out. Take note of how your body digests them, what meals you like the taste of, and plan your MRE storage and rotation accordingly. There's a couple of comments there that you want to make different people uh, or that you want to read. Uh, different people, even uh, military veterans' point of view there. But, uh, you know, when it comes to food storage, you're always going to want to have a deep pantry. You want to have that first. You want to have cans you, you know, from the grocery store. You want to have pasta. You want to have rice, beans. You want, you know, all the stuff that you normally eat, you want to have that in there. Then you want to start looking at your long-term food storage and, and you know, go uh, the cheaper route. I, I would like to, to think that people would go with the Mylar bags and the O2 uh, you know, oxygen absorbers and, you know, make some uh, five-gallon buckets of rice and beans if you're in, you know, if you are okay with eating that. Uh, pasta and and other things uh, like that, grains or whatever that you want to make for you know or, or half for bread, um, and then going into the other you know freeze dried stuff, MREs, um, dehydrated, you know all that kind of stuff, and that's usually the route that when someone asks me that that's kind of the route that I give them to uh, to get to where they need to get to uh, with their food storage. But uh, it's good to have, it's always good to have a little bit, you know, the, the positive thing about MREs is that you're not using water to, you know, with freeze-dried food, you can have a bucket and take it with you. You're going to need water for that, right, to uh, reconstitute the, the food. With uh, MREs, 
you're not going to need that at all. You can just break it open and start eating it. And so there's advantages and disadvantages to all of it. Uh, one of the disadvantages to MREs is they can be kind of expensive per case. So you really need to source it out. And then you also want to make sure that you're sourcing it out from a reputable um from a reputable retailer online that you know that you're going to get everything that you're supposed to get. Uh, I've heard stories. I even someone did a guest post on Ed that matters once about MREs that were purchased, you know, somewhere else that didn't have everything that was supposed to come with them. And if you go to a military surplus store, you never know how long that's actually been, uh, you know, where it was stored before. All right. So good article, something to consider. Uh, I've eaten MREs before. Dad had them uh, back when we had a country place when I was a kid. We ate them. We thought it was good, uh, but it was always fun because, you know, we were young. We'd get to open up the cans back in the days when it was cans and stuff and the peanut butter and crackers. And, um, you know, so it was kind of fun to do that. Uh, definitely don't want to eat it all the time. <laughs> all right. Last article of the episode today is ask, comes from askaprepper.com. And this article is entitled, Affordable Vehicles That Can Survive an EMP. So I'm going to go ahead and read this one. Then I have some comments definitely at the, at the end that I want to make. Uh, the energy that heats your food in a microwave, the data sent to your smartphone, and the music you listen to on a terrestrial radio, these are all forms of electromagnetic energy. What makes the EMP unique is that this electromagnetic energy is sent in large amounts over a very short period of time. The EMP attack is portrayed as sending modern society back to medieval times. Whether this is true or not is subject to much debate. One often discussed topic is whether a typical vehicle could survive an EMP, and if so, what vehicle would have the best chance to do doing so. Conventional wisdom is that the older the vehicle, the more likely it can survive an EMP strike. This may be true in theory, but may, may not always be true in practice. One reason for this is that modern vehicles have some shielding against unwanted electromagnetic energy interference. For example, car engineers understand that you wouldn't want a TV, radio, walkie-talkie, Wi-Fi, or other wireless signal to interfere with your vehicle's onboard computers. But there are many other variables that will determine if a given vehicle will survive an EMP attack and to what extent it would survive it. The only way to know for sure is to actually test the vehicle. But even with extensive testing, you wouldn't necessarily have a perfect list of EMP-proof vehicles. Therefore, the following list provides a good starting point as to what vehicles stand the best chance of surviving an EMP strike in drivable conditions and are also affordable for the average person. Option 1. 1979 Jeep CJ5 4x4. Average street value $7,100. This is I love this Jeep. I fell in love with this Jeep when I was uh, when I was a kid. Love to have one of them. They're just they're kind of expensive uh, for you know being a used vehicle and, and for what you get. But let's go ahead and read this one. The Jeep AMC CJ5 is on is one of the most famous versions of the venerable Willys Jeep. Given its reliable reliability and performance, it's no wonder the CJ5 had one of the longest production runs of any Jeep. Starting in the 1980s, the CJ5 Jeeps were made with more advanced electronics such as AM, FM radios and more complex electronic control units. Getting a CJ5 older than a 1979 model can't hurt, but the prices tend to rise as the model years get older, so the affordability advantage is diminished. Contributing to its EMP survivability is a naturally aspirated engine utilizing a carburetor. 
As one might expect, the CJ5s are typically found with manual transmissions which are easier to repair such, th such should the need arise. The CJ5 also makes a fantastic off-road vehicle, which can be of great use in a survival situation. Lastly, the CJ5 doesn't stand out too much, except to the most fa fanatic Jeep fans, so it's unlikely to draw any unwanted attention. Option 2. 1984 Chevrolet Blazer, average street value $6,100. The Chevrolet Bla Blazer is a popular classic vehicle and it's easy to see why, given its traditional styling, history, and off-road capabilities. Like other vehicles listed in this article, the 1984 Chevrolet Blazer's engine uses a carburetor and natural aspiration, so there are fewer sensitive electronics controlling engine performance. The Blazer is also very popular for making additions and modifications with many options available. There are other models of the Blazer that would do well surviving an EMP, such as a model from the 1970s or early 1980s, but they are significantly more expensive, almost double the price of the used car market. Option number three, 1972 Volkswagen Beetle, average street value $5,900. The Volkswagen Beetle is one of the most recognizable vehicles ever manufactured. In fact, it is the best-selling vehicle in history. It's almost another iconic vehicle that's noted in pop culture. The love bug comes to mind. Starting around 1975, the VW Beetles were made with the Bosch fuel-injected engines, which added extra electronics to the vehicle. While this addition is not very advanced by today's standards, it adds a weak link to the VW Beetle's EMP resistance. Therefore, most VW Beetles from the early 1970s or older would serve as the most ideal version for surviving an EMP strike. If a truck or SUV isn't your thing, the VW Beetle is definitely a vehicle you should look into getting. Option number four, a 1983 Ford Bronco, average street value $5,000. The Ford Bronco was first released back in 1966 and was discontinued 20 years later in 1996. However, it's, popular, it's a popular vehicle and has a bit of history, especially in pop culture. O.J. Simpson's infamous Ford Bronco is of the 1993 model year. The 1983 Ford Bronco makes a great vehicle for surviving an EMP because it has a naturally aspirated carburetor engine. This means a simple air intake system is used and the air-fuel mixing doesn't rely on electronic assistance. But why is the 1983 model recommended in particular? Starting with the 1984 model Ford Bronco's electronic emissions equipment became standard. Besides creating another area of potential failure in an EMP strike, it also reduces the vehicle's performance. Additionally, certain 1985 Ford Broncos have electronic fuel injection, which creates yet another potential weak point against an EMP. Other things to consider. This article lists only a handful of vehicles that are likely to survive an EMP. Basically, any vehicle from the 1960s or earlier will probably survive an EMP event in drivable, if not perfect condition. However, they are unlikely to be the most affordable or practical. Obviously, an even older vehicle, such as one that's steam or animal powered, would have the absolute best chance of surviving the EMP, but they would be practical to operate for most people and are quite expensive to purchase and maintain. Even if you find a great vehicle for surviving an EMP, don't forget other practical considerations such as parts availability, ease of maintenance and repair, performance, inconspicuousness, and fuel availability, gasoline versus diesel. All right, so there are a lot of comments on this one. Uh, there's 32 comments over here that you can uh, go check out. So a lot of people have opinions on this one. 
Um, and so this is just a recent article. Uh, I will say, when you think about, first of all, the debate, when, when he mentions the debate about EMP, that's so, so true. I mean, at all the articles that we, that we post on Prepper website, I mean, there's always articles on EMP. That's, that's, that's always popular. Um, you know, books like One Second After and then uh, the book that uh, Dan Rather just recently post, you know, uh, put out there. Uh, you know, kind of gets people thinking about this, and then recently it's been in the news a whole lot because of the little crazy man over in North Korea. Uh, people have been talking about EMPs and things like that. So, you know, this comes up from time to time. There's a lot of debate. No one truly knows what would happen. And so that's the thing. I mean, you don't really know. There's been some really good articles. I'm going to link to the tag cloud on Prepper website. Um, every article that we put out is tagged, and so the tag cloud, for those of you who don't know, the tag cloud, uh, if you're looking for uh, a preparedness-related article, and like you can go to Google and you can type something in and you can find it, but if you're looking for... Uh, if you're looking for something that's for sure preparedness related, you know that you can go to the tag cloud and and get there. So on the top right hand corner, I have a little drop down menu, and you would go there to and click on prepping topics, and then hit go, and that will take you to the main page. I'm going to link to the EMP page, uh, and you know all the articles that we have ever linked to on Prepper website since the beginning of Prepper website, uh, you'll be able to have access to if the website is still around, and so. Um, there's there's so much debate about what actually would you know are you going to go back to the 1800s are you know just big things going to be knocked out like uh you know the the big big transformers that run neighborhoods or big city blocks or um you know are just little electronics going to get fried you know like smartphones and things like that but you know the electric lines are still going to be okay there's just so so much out there that no one truly truly knows how or what an EMP, what kind of damage it's going to do. So that's the first thing to always consider when we're talking about EMP. The second thing to consider is when you're talking about having a vehicle um, to survive the EMP, you've got to be thinking about, and this happens actually in, in the, the book, One Second After, they travel into town and, you know, they get their, they want to get their, um, their vehicle, uh, try to, uh, stolen from them and same thing happens in one mark goodwin's one of his most recent uh books happens as well uh, the, you know their uh, little group prepared for an emp and they get up uh, going to uh to their their bug out location and they run into problems someone wanting to steal their vehicle too so that's something that you always got to think about i mean you might have a vehicle that survives an emp but then everybody else that's out there is you know they're going to be they're going to know that you have it. And so you're always going to have to be defending it. You're always going to be, uh, you know, you're going to have to have it up. You're always going to be worried about someone coming or, you know, somebody, uh, the government taking it away from you or the police force taking it away from you uh, or just, you know, people with more guns than you taking it away from you. So, you know, you always kind of have that. And then let's say an EMP happens and you have a vehicle and you're trying to bug out and trying to get through, um, the freeway is like here in Houston. I mean, there, there'd be some places where you would just be bogged down and you would be stuck in traffic. You wouldn't be able to go anywhere. And, uh, if you didn't have four by four or, I mean, you could get stuck. And even if you had a four by four, uh, not be able to get around it, you know, you'd have to back up and, and find all different kinds of ways. And, and then you'd have the gasoline issue, you know, having the fuel. So there's a lot of things to consider there. I mean, would it be nice to have something like that? Yes. I always like Engineer 777's um, 
I, it's not 777. Uh, I, I know I'm getting it wrong. It's been a while since I watched one of his uh, videos. But uh, he's got that wood gas uh, wood gas car or truck. Uh, and I think that's uh, that's an awesome, awesome uh, vehicle to have. I'm actually, you know, I'm going to try to find it. 775. It's engineer 775. Yeah. yeah, he and Southern Prepper One. You know, we're on Doomsday Preppers together. And, and uh, so anyway, I'm going to link. To, I'm going to find his vehicle on the wood gas uh, or his video on the wood gas vehicle and link it on uh, the Prepper website podcast uh, because that was just so cool and it'd be so nice to have something like that. I would think. Uh, but anyway, if, if you really, really, truly needed it, at least even for a homestead, just kind of getting around and moving things around. All right. Well, guys, that's it for episode 63. Hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Uh, a lot of great articles. Be sure to come over to the Prepper Website Podcast, uh, episode 63, and link to these articles because they all have tons of links that you want to go check out and uh, comments that you want to read. Uh, a lot of good stuff over there. And um, you know, make sure if you haven't, uh, if you're listening, if you're coming to the podcast from... Uh, iTunes or Stitcher or some other podcast network out there and you've never come to Prepper website, I want to encourage you to come. We've got tons of articles. We link to somewhere between 8 to 12 articles every single day, uh, you know, Monday through Sunday or Sunday through uh, Saturday, I guess I should say. And, uh, you know, a lot of great information out there. So there's no way that I can read every article that we do on Purple Website on the podcast. I just try to pick and, and choose the ones that are, are really, really interesting. And then I try to do a, a nice, you know, different flavors of, of the month, I guess, if you want to say, or different, different types of articles. I try not to repeat the types of articles out there, although some are a little bit more popular than others. All right, that's it for the podcast. Hey, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until next time, stay prepped and aware. Peace.